before we begin, uh, how many of y'all were at Operation Replant last weekend, Saturday or Sunday? Just stand. Stand. Let's, let's, let's see who you were. Or rather, you were out at Operation Replant last weekend. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Wonderful. <clears throat> Wonderful. One of the old ladies who was out there asked me how I did after. Nancy, you, you gave yourself away. You see, Nancy, you gave yourself away. I wasn't going to name, name you. But Nancy Masson asked me, how well did you do after? I said, it took me about four days to recover. <laughs> if you are not out there ministering and helping, getting down dirty, you're missing a wonderful blessing. It may take you a few days to recover if you're over 60. <laughs> but it's worth it. Amen? So for those of us who need a longer period of recovery, just want to let you know, Daniel and... What's your name again? I forget. Todd. <laughs> want to let you know, we're coming back. Amen? We're coming back. Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. I want to give this as the umbrella emphasis, if you would, of the Word this morning. Keith has already shared this morning, just catching us up from last week, that the series we are in, which we believe the Holy Spirit leads us to share, is to share with us and to emphasize and to remind us what kind of a life we were meant to live. When God saved us, He had one particular kind of life in mind, not several. One particular kind of life. And that is the kind of life that we see in John 10.10. The thief cometh but to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come. That you might have life. But I want you to understand what kind of life you were meant to live. So Jesus adds to it. I have come that you might have life and that you might have that life abundantly. Let's say it together. Abundantly. One more time. Abundant life. That's what we're meant to have. Anything short of that causes the revelation of the glory of God and the honor of God to be diminished in our lives. I believe anything short of that biblical, abundant life dishonors God. And how much do you have to dishonor God to dishonor Him enough? You just have to dishonor Him some kind of way in anything. He's dishonored. So this morning we'll continue to look at what kind of a life, this life that we have been given. This morning we want to look at some of the fundamentals or the fundamental of that life to live, a supernatural life. 
Because to live an abundant life requires us to have a supernatural ability. So these verses would be, if you would, the overarching verses in the book of Acts. Luke is writing the second account. He's reminding Theophilus about the other letter he wrote, or about the other account, remember, the book of Luke. And he says, in my first account that I gave to you, I composed, Theophilus, about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. You see, Luke is the beginning until the day when he was taken up into heaven and after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these also he presented himself alive after suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you've heard of me. In other words, I've told you about this also. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit in a few more days. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of, to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the epoch which the Father has fixed in his own authority. But this is what you should do. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all of Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. In the book of Luke, Jesus began the work. In the book of Acts, we see what kind of a life that Jesus died to purchase. And that is that abundant life. As I share this this morning, this is a sermon that, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying, I want to do, but I don't want to do. I am betwixt and in between. I just have to share how I felt, feel about this. It's not the kind of sermon that you can preach and let's be men and women of God in a greater way in prayer in the Word, in ministering to one another. And we can all leave and, you know, see that happen over a period of time. It's not that kind of a word this morning. And if you want to know the truth, this frightens me. It has nothing to do with me, any lack or ability in me. It has everything to do with the will of God and what He will do. Because when we speak about the rushing in of the Holy Spirit, the flooding, the baptism, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and when we preach a word like this, which we believe the Holy Spirit has given us to preach and emphasize that this is what God wants to do and He wants to do it now, it is very concerning to me, and this is probably weakness in my area, will it happen? You say, well, brother, you need to believe. I do believe. 
But I still have to ask, Father, make it happen. A single purpose this morning, just one purpose, very simple. And all that we will say is this. Listen carefully. Listen instructively. Because very much our life before God depends extremely much, I believe today, on what we hear and how we receive it and what we do with it, how we respond. This is not a casual word. It's a word that is a burden. Let's pray together. Father, Father, we bow our hearts before you this morning. Father, confessing weakness, we cannot conjure up the Holy Spirit's power. Father, we cannot make you do something. We cannot pretend. We cannot fake this. Father, you must move from heaven. And Father, our great yearning desire and passion and earnest desire is that you this morning, tomorrow morning, and every day of the rest of our lives, that you will be a God who pours out upon us all of your power, all of your anointing, all that you have for us, that we may be the people of abundant life. So when the world sees us, they see and experience a compelling and consistent and truthful revelation of who Jesus is at your right hand. Father, overrule this sermon at any moment and do what you want to do and do what you need to do among us. Father, don't wait until the end. Interrupt at any time as you did in Cornelius' house. But Father, we ask for one thing this morning. Not for eloquence. Not for ability. Not for anything of ourselves and from ourselves. But everything of and from You, from heaven. Father, You must move on us today in a way that we have not experienced, you must do it. We have to have this work, this ministry, this blessing in our lives. It's not optional. We've got to have it. So, Father, we ask You, we implore You, move this morning. Have mercy upon us, Your church. In Jesus' name and for the sake of the resurrection power. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. <clears throat> How many of you remember, probably the older people will remember this more than the younger people, the three R's? Reading, writing, Arithmetic, not arithmetic, reading, writing, 
arithmetic. You remember the three R's? You remember what the purpose of those three R's were? When you were going to school, there were certain basics that you had to have. And if you didn't have these basics and if they weren't functional in your life to an appropriate place, you not only weren't going to do well in school, that was bad enough, you weren't going to do well where else? Where else? In life. Life, in the natural sense, you see, very much depends on the three R's. Reading, writing, arithmetic. With the same, you see, is true for the spiritual life. If we are to live the abundant life, if we are to live the supernatural life, if we are to live the life that God smiles about, there are the three R's, if you would, of the spiritual life, of the supernatural life. I was out praying the other day and I just felt this is what the Lord gave me. You know how God gives you things and you say, hey, that's good. I didn't have my pen, my notebook, and I was afraid I would not remember until I got home. But then I remembered if God gave it to me, if He wants me to use it, He'll remind me. God is good about that. And what are these? First, recognition or recognize. Second, repent. And third, receive. So the sermon breaks down, if you would, into three points. (laughs) Recognize, repent, and receive. How many of us have had an experience that we failed to recognize something significant and went, oh, if I had only known about this. Have any of us had or experienced any loss, any detriment, any difficulty in any area of our life because we failed to recognize something that we should have recognized? Has anybody ever been there? Oh, if I had only known that chapter 18 was going to be on the final exam, I would have... If I had only known that they were coming at this hour, I would have. You see, failure to recognize that which we should recognize is crucial. Because how are we going to live correctly? How are we going to be able to meet the issues of life in a way that they won't overcome us? If we're failing to recognize what is obvious or what should be obvious. You see, this is a huge danger. And so we begin this morning by recognizing what heaven desires and what God commands about our life. Failure to do so is a major problem. You remember, Israel failed to see the time of Jesus, the visitation of the Lord Jesus. Or they just didn't understand it. They failed to see the mighty God in their midst. So what happened? The result is recorded in Luke chapter 19, verses 43 to 44. Essentially what Jesus says is because you have failed to recognize who I am. You failed to recognize your need. You failed to recognize what was going on and your response to it because you failed to recognize this temple and this nation will be leveled. And you see, I don't believe any of us this morning 
want to have God Himself speak those words over our lives because there was a significant thing about the kingdom of God which we failed to recognize or simply didn't believe or relegate it to a less significant place than God does. Don't do that this morning. Don't leave here this morning saying, I just don't agree with that theology. Don't do it! These Pharisees simply did not agree with Jesus. And their place and their temple and their nation was taken away. This is critical. It's not optional. A few weeks ago, Chris Curtis, I had to look at the notes to remember your name, came to us with fear and trembling. He had a word from God. May I read it to you? It may be in your notes. And he said this, I believe that the Lord would remind the church to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to have God's boundless love and power in our hearts. And the only way to do this is to pray and ask for it. Listen to this part of it. This was never meant to be an occasional thing. But a part of our daily communing with God. Because a person or church filled with the Spirit can and will break chains of bondage and win the spiritual battle through prayer. So this morning, what is the Lord saying to us? The Lord is saying this. He wants us to recognize what He recognizes. What we're sharing this morning is not something that the pastoral staff recognizes. We're not sharing something that is on our heart. We're sharing what God recognizes and what is on the heart and the burden of Almighty God for us. And what does he recognize? That each of us needs. How many of you need to breathe every day? How many of you need to eat every day? How many of us have certain basic needs that are needing to be met in order for life to be sustained in the natural? There are certain needs, not wants, needs that are primary to the living of a life. And this is primary to living the life that honors God. Each one of us needs to be filled with the power of God's Spirit on a continual basis in order to live the supernatural life, in order to live the life that pleases God. Now, that's just a fact. There ain't no debate. You read your Bible, and if you don't believe it, and if you're going to get around it, you have to tear out a whole lot of the book of Acts. From verse 1, chapter 1, all the way through to the end of chapter 28. You just have to tear out a few pages and just have the name Acts. And there you have it. That's what it looks like not to live the supernatural life. Just the word Acts. Then you immediately go to Romans. Of course, Romans and Corinthians and all the others are the result of Acts. 
So you ain't got the rest of the New Testament. And then you've got to go back to the Old Testament and start tearing out those pages. And so you wind up with a book, two covers and a word Bible on it, and open it and you don't have anything in the middle. This is the way it is with God. You see, we're not talking about something that's optional with God. Visitors thinking this morning, oh my word, I've gotten to this church and they keep talking about this thing, these doggone Pentecostals, these people are crazy. This is what the Bible talks about. You see, it's not optional. It's the only way to live the supernatural life. And this is not a one-time event. not a one-time event. I was filled with the Holy Spirit 48 years ago, and I have been living ever since on that experience. Have you been filled since? No, but I remember. This is a one ongoing event. It begins with a one-time event. But in order to live in your house, you have to enter the doorway. That is a one-time event to get into the house, to open the front door, to go in. But that's just the initiation of a life lived in your house. It's an ongoing way of life. And for many in this church this morning, you need to experience the opening of God's door into the supernatural life. And then, for those who have already experienced that opening of the door, you need and I need to experience the continuation of that work that God began at a particular time. How many of you have needs? Any needs at all? No needs here. And if I were to ask us to make a list of the needs, what's happening? What, what's going on? What you need? If you had three things you can get from God, what would they be? If you just had three things you could get from God, what would they be? Now, had I asked you this before this sermon, some of your answers may have been different. Now, come on. Some of you are cheating right now. Well, better ask about the Holy Spirit because this is where it is. But had we asked you when you walked in the door, well, I have financial needs, right? Health needs, right? Relational needs, trying to figure out, we have all these needs. But you see, really, what is our most pressing need? See, we only have one need. That's all we have. We need the Holy Spirit and we need Him in power. That's our need. You see, there is no reason to have church. And there is no church without the Holy Spirit. It's a social club. We need the Holy Spirit in a powerful and greater way every day. We need the Holy Spirit in a powerful and greater way every day. It is insufficient to think that you have the power of the Holy Spirit and that you don't need an increasing work of power. As we talk about this, I want to talk about two things, indwelling and infilling. And as I do that, 
I want to make a distinction between the two, the indwelling and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because if we don't, I think there could be some confusion. First, the indwelling, the living inside of you, of the Holy Spirit. Every believer, what do I mean by a believer? I don't mean that your name is written on some church roll. Every person who has been born into the kingdom of God as the Holy Spirit has regenerated you, changed your heart, and moved upon you to say, Jesus, forgive and save me, and has received Christ as your personal Savior, as the one who is the Lord of your life and actually the whole sustainer of your life. Every believer has the Holy Spirit living inside of you. If you're a believer this morning and you're not sure of that, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Let's just listen to a compilation of these verses from Romans chapter 5 and chapter 8. Just put several verses together. The Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, or if you're denying that, you're literally denying being a believer. But if you are a believer, acknowledge, I have the Holy Spirit in me. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. So every believer has the Holy Spirit. Can we get that straight this morning? We are not saying that if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit that you're not saved. We believe that is incorrect doctrine, although some teach that. We just don't see it. What we are saying is this, there is a difference, biblically speaking, from the book of Acts between the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, which Keith read this morning, remember the Ephesus experience, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The two things. You see, we have the infilling, but we need more. Now, this is critical. Wherever you are in this, do you genuinely believe I need more? Do you believe you need more? Because a huge problem here is that we simply are not believing I need more. Whether you have been filled or not with the Holy Spirit, you may have been filled and speaking in tongues and prophesying, whatever, and you're not aware if you need more. One of the issues of being filled with the power of the Spirit is this, not only receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, but receiving this yearning, deep desire for more. And this struggle to say I don't have enough. If that's not in you, working dynamically in you, I have got to have more. I don't know whether you can say you've been filled with the Spirit. Because the thing that we see of God is this, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled 
Examine ourselves this morning. Let us look at our hearts and our minds and our motives and let us go back over the last whatever's of our life, the last day, week, months, and let us see what has been the driving passion of our days. Who that we could have a passion for God like the Apostle Paul, like the Apostle Peter. What would happen in this church? If these 400 or so members of this church had that kind of a passion. You see, Jesus' presence in dwelling should never be synonymous with His infilling power. I did not say and don't even mean to infer that the indwelling presence of Jesus is without power. Obviously, that's not correct. But there is a level of power. There is a level of ministry. There is an activity of the Spirit. There is a depth of work that God desires to do in every believer's heart that requires another activity of being filled. What would the book of Acts look like if it weren't with the if the presence of the power of God weren't there, I, I don't, you know, we wouldn't have a book of Acts. What would we re, be reading? And they gathered together for a few days and they had a Bible study and they had some prayer and somebody came up in the microphone, a few people over here praying or whatever, and somebody came in, won't you pray for me? They prayed for him and the lady went out sick as when she came in and they went out on the street and they did some, you know, uh, ministry out in the street. Two or three people got saved over here, four or five people over there. That's not what we see. We don't see a normal church. We see a bunch of crazy people yelling and screaming and dancing and rejoicing. How many people got saved through that one sermon? How many? How many? 3,000? I speak to me more than I speak to you on this. What does my life look like? What does your life look like? What does it look like? If God were showing you your life, this, how many, you remember this is your life? Some of you old people around here, some of this, they used to have better programs on years ago, right? This is your life. And they zoom in on somebody, Bob Swanson, this is your life. You're saying, and they bring you up and all these people giving revelation about you and what you did and who you were and all that. And some of it was good and some of it wasn't so good, you know, and whatever. And you got a refrigerator at the end of it. <laughs> I mean, in those days, that was good stuff. <laughs> at least I didn't say icebox. Mm. What would God say? Listen. Every one of us who takes breath today in this room will stand before a holy judge whose passion was that we live an abundant, supernatural life. Being filled with His power, that's what He wants. And we're going to stand there and say, well, you know, my theology doesn't say it that way. Or I just didn't have the time to do that. Or whatever. You do it. I ain't getting near that one. And what will He say about my life, your life? See, I cringe enough to think about that in a whole lot of areas of this life. 
But what I will not want to cringe is for God to say, Peter Davidson, you never sought my power. That is not going to happen. I declare to you, there is not a day that passes that I don't call out to God and ask for power and ministry and ability and gifting and anointing for anything and everything I do. I can't do anything without that. Who am I? I don't have any exalted degrees, although I get hot sometimes. I don't have any exalted abilities. I can't touch anybody and have anything happen except my hand get on you. I don't have any understanding that can get in your hearts and your minds to deal with the issues of your life. I don't have the wisdom to tell you what to do, what not to do, and how to do it and when to do it. I'd ruin your life if I did that on my own. I have nothing to give you. And I mean that as strongly as I mean that I'm taking breath right now. I have nothing to give you. Silver and gold have I none. Ah. But such as I have, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give it to you. I am thankful for what God uses me for, whatever that is, and however much it is. But I am so dissatisfied with the level of power and effectiveness in my life. I can taste it. It bothers me. It is a consuming concern in my life. Where are the miracles in my life and your life? Where's the passion, the commitment? Where's the power in prayer, power in studying the Word of God, even on a general, consistent basis? Where is the victory over sin in your life? Who, if God has done anything in my life, He's done some stuff, most of which I have no idea what He's done. But one thing He has done, and one thing I will testify to you, not taking any credit for you, it is this. God has given me and continues to give me victory over the sin of my life. Victory in Jesus. And it only comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Too many are living on such a poor level, always struggling against and losing the battle. Come on, men and women, we don't have to live like that. When sin comes a-knocking at our door, meet it with the power of the Holy Spirit and kick the thing back to hell where it came from. Just kick the hell out of it. Come on. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. It can't come through intellectual activity. It can't come about, I'm hoping to do better. It comes as the mighty arm of God stretches out from my heart and meets that slimy serpent and squeezes him when he dares to tempt a child of God. What would you do, parents, if someone on the sidewalk were grabbing one of your little babies, pal? What would you do? You'd come breaking through the door and get the guy, wouldn't you? Or would you just kind of meander around? You'd exercise power of daddyhood. Where's the boldness? 
Where's the strength in opposition? Where's the strength in suffering? Where's the supernatural love and the sacrifice? When someone looks at my life or your life, do they say this, I want to know that God. I want to know that God. I've got to know that God. I'm breaking through. I don't care what you do. I want to know that God. You're going to be bold. Two ladies sitting too close to me the other day in a coffee shop started talking about, you know, this woman lady is talking about, the, you know, what she's learning in church and whatever else. And she's learning that, uh, I've forgotten what it all is. And she said something about, she's trying to get the word Pharisees out of her mouth. So I said, Pharisees. And then she said something else, and I said something else. And she and a friend got up and left, and I saw her the next day. And I said, I hope, <laughs> oh, well. And I hope that I said I didn't run you off. She said, oh, no, 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 that was what we were doing. But, you know, I, I, I enjoyed what you said, so I gave her a little card, and I said, here's who we are, whatever. Come see us. Well, I don't like to share things publicly. I'm shy. I'm shy, too. That's funny, but, but let the Holy Spirit overcome your sin of shyness. A wife shy as anything in the world. I don't know why she married me, but the Holy Spirit has in His power drawing it out of her. Well, let me tell you, she'll get on your case. She's, these little la- ladies that are quiet, hmm, very careful of them. You see, would others want to know my God? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. The question is, is God going to be satisfied with your life? Not are you, not as Keith, Peter, anybody else. We read that verse in Colossians where Jesus Christ is to be preeminent. You know what that means? Having first place in everything. Christ is preeminent. I want Jesus to be preeminent. Jesus is my Lord. Well, that's fine. But there's only one way that can happen. It can only happen as the Holy Spirit is preeminent in me. You can't have a preeminent Christ in your life without having a preeminent Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be given to you. He will testify of me. Remember John 15? It's not going to happen. The great danger is that we're taking the Holy Spirit's presence for granted. How often do we purposefully ask for God's power? Purposefully. Not while driving down the road and everything is just standing there and you're in the middle of the interstate and you've got to get to a meeting. Oh, God, help me in my weakness. But in any and every situation of life, how often are we passionately seeking God's presence in power? If the Holy Spirit were to withdraw from you today, would you notice any difference about your life? Would there really be a difference? We need to ask for the filling of the power. We need to recognize that we are in need to be filled with God's power. You see, Jesus insisted in Luke 24, 49, he says, stay. Now, when the Lord of glory gives you a command, what should you do? Obey. He said, stay. Hang around. Don't go anywhere. No movies. 
no television, no sports, no vacations. You make this issue the priority of your life now that you're saved. He preempted jobs. He preempted everything about their lives. Come aside, get into this room, and you hang out here while, until I'm ready to do my work. Well, we got issues. We have responsibility. You have nothing without the filling power of the Holy Spirit that you need. We just got to, as I say, you just got to get it into you. You just have to. You remember what I already read in Acts chapter 1? And gathering them together, He commanded them. And He says you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And remember, who are the disciples? These are men and women who in John 20, verse 22, have already received the breathing of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus breathed on them and He said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is a bunch of saved people. They have the Spirit indwelling. And Jesus says to these people who have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, just like every believer has when we're saved, Jesus says, now, I want you to set aside every priority and make your priority that to seek the power. It's not optional. Paul commands it in Ephesians. You see, we all need to be filled with the Spirit. We need His power for every detail and every moment of our life. Can any of you think of any detail, any area, any issue, anything in your life where you can say to God, where you can say faithfully to God, I don't need your power in this situation? Is there someone who can raise your hand and please let us know about this? We'd love to hear it. Is there anyone who can say, I simply don't need your power here. I got it together myself. But you see, we're, we're living, I think, functionally as atheists. Because we're living in a way that we're not, since we're not calling purposefully and consistently and passionately upon the Holy Spirit on a regular and daily, maybe even hour by hour moment, we're depending upon ourselves. God is gracious to meet us. Aren't you glad of that? But we're living as if there is no God. And the Bible says you're a fool to live that way. Let's face it, most of the church lives as if there is not a God until, or a Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit until we need Him. It's idolatry. We make of God our sugar daddy. It's idolatry. It's evil. The fruit of the Spirit, the character of Jesus, we need His power. The minister of the gospel to others and even to ourselves, we need the power. Evangelize, Alpha. Operation replant, whatever. We need the power of God for prayer, study the Word. Is there any area where we don't need His power? No. Well, what are we to do? Turn to Acts chapter 2. What are we supposed to do? Hopefully by now you have recognized something. I've taken most of the time to bring us to a recognition. Because if we don't recognize the need, we're not going to go for the remedy. 
If I don't know that I have a disease, I ain't going to the doctor. And I may look and feel fine, but one day the disease is going to have its way simply because I did not go to the doctor and allow the power of this doctor's ability and technology to get into me and to root out the disease. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and the beginning of 38. Peter's finished preaching. He's been out there yelling and screaming for hours probably. On the day of Pentecost, do you remember? This guy who was cowering in the corner is now out flaming in the streets. What happened? The Holy Spirit changed him with the power from on high. A few days ago, he was content with going fishing wrong with fishing. But Jesus said, I'll give you power. And then everything about Peter's life changed. Everything. Everything. And now when they heard this, they heard the preaching of Peter, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what are we supposed to do? What shall we do? And Peter said to them, what? Repent. Repent. The first R is recognition. The second R to live a supernatural life is to repent. Thayer says, Thayer's one of these Greek guys, it means to change your mind about something. Have a reversal of thought and attitude and understanding. If you've been living without the power and have been satisfied, have not experienced it, been sitting back on what you experienced years ago. (laughs) I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Years ago, if you recognize that, you need to repent. Well, repentance is sin, brother. No, not always, but I believe in this case, absolutely you need to repent of sin. But I didn't know any better. Well, read your Bible. Well, I don't know. Then then sin is not reading the Bible. We got you somewhere or the other. I mean, you've been gotten. God's going to get you. You can't get out of this. What should we do? We should confess our need and and then our complacency. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Please don't do that. But don't raise your hand. But how many here recognize your need of being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit for the first time and how many for third, fourth, fifth, or whatever time. If you're still struggling with this, you need to come to a conclusion before God because if this is correct, you are making a disastrous decision. You need to confess. I see it now. And I'm going to confess my complacency. I've just not made it a priority. This needs to be the priority of your life. Because there's nothing in your life that can be dealt with satisfactorily and to the glory of God except by His power. Thankfully, God deals with us and gives us grace in the ordinary issues of life. And sometimes moves upon us in power for certain issues. But God wants us to live a life like this. Secondly... Ask God to fill you. Remember Luke 11, 9, 10, and 13? He dealt with this a few weeks ago in the Sermon of Persistent Prayer. Please get that sermon on prayer. Jesus said, I say to you, keep 
on asking. It's in the continual tense. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. And you will find. Well, I asked one time and nothing happened. Keep on asking. I dare say if you had a financial need and you asked someone to bail you out of your financial need and they said no, oh, okay, I won't ask anymore and I'll just let myself go to ruin. Is that how you felt? You did what? You asked and you asked and you asked. If that person said no, you went to that person and then you went over here. But you did what was necessary to take care of the need. And we have the greatest need in our life is the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. That is the single greatest need that I think we have as a church. Keep on asking. Start asking. Put it at the top of your prayer chain or your prayer time or whatever. Ask, 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 ask. Seek, seek, seek. Knock, knock, knock. And Jesus said at the end of it, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who keep on asking? You see, ask with faith, expecting to receive persistent, prevailing prayer. He talked about that a few weeks ago. That is what God is after. Jesus said, y'all hang around for ten days and pray and worship. So they got in there the first hour. They started worshiping and Matt was playing that piano and they were going to town and in two hours they were tired of worship. Then they had prayer. Three or four people came to the microphone, a couple of people over here, whatever. In about an hour they finished prayer and then said, whew, we worn out. Now what we're going to do? And they just stopped. No. They did what Jesus told them to do. Think about it. Ten days. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know when it's going to happen. Ten days. They keep praying and praying and praying and worshiping and expecting. All we know is this what Jesus told us to do. What's going to happen? I don't know. But all I know is what Jesus told me to do. When is it going to happen? I don't know. All I know is this is what Jesus told us to do. And we are going to do what He told us to do. And He is going to do what He said He would do. Repent. Change your mind about the issue in your life. This morning, I pray for the sake of the honor and the integrity and the glory of God in your life to the place that He wants it. Where He wants it, not where I am satisfied. That you have heard something this morning from God to say this. You are not in the place where I want you to be. None of us having children making straight D's would be satisfied. We would do what we needed to do to get the level of the grades to where they needed to be. Why should our God be satisfied with a D and C life? What glorifies Him the most and what would make most parents most pleased is He'd bring home straight A's. Come on, mamas and daddies. Come on. Am I right or wrong? Oh, my son makes straight honors. He's on the honor roll. Well, crow, crow, crow. Well, are we on God's honor roll this morning in this issue? Recognize, repent, receive. What does receiving look like? Turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. What does receiving look like? 
You know, the Bible tells us these things so we would know because we don't know. What would I know? When the day of Pentecost had come, when they were all gathered into one place and suddenly God's quick. God moves fast. There came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. This is what God does. So don't knock it. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. These are the ones who had already received the indwelling. You remember this group from John 20, 22? Same group. They were now filled. Why would God fill them if they already had the Holy Spirit? And having the Holy Spirit, we don't need the filling. And began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Oh, I don't like that. Be careful of despising what God has done and that He wants to do. Be careful of despising the work of God. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men of every nation under heaven. And here's what happens with the supernatural life. And when this sound occurred, when this eruption of the power occurred, the crowd came together. You see, the people were drawn to the power of the Holy Spirit, just as they were drawn to the power of the Holy Spirit in the Lord Jesus. They were drawn. There's no fanfare, no music, no big lights, no invitations. There was power of the Holy Spirit which drew the people. See, God will draw others unto Himself through His power in us. And they were bewildered because each of them were hearing these men and women speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished because these folks, you see, who are these Galileans? Who are these people from West Wego? What do they know? Who are these people from New Orleans, from Destrahan? They're nothing in themselves. But they had the power of Almighty God in their hearts in their lives. And everything is different, you see. It is God's expressed will to fill us with the power of His Spirit. Some for the first time, some for the whatever. This morning, the moment Keith is coming up, and we're going to seek the Lord. But let me give you a warning. I don't know what the Lord's going to do this morning. Oh, I hope He does something that knocks the walls out of this building. But whatever He does, keep on praying and asking and seeking. We're not making it a priority. Make it a priority. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, you're going to know it. Boy, I knew this would happen. I knew something happened to me in April 1972. I just knew everything was different. Everything about my life was radically different. Everything. I knew something had happened, although I didn't have the theology of it. God did something. 
Keep on asking. Keep on receiving. Keep on knocking. Don't give up until you receive. You see, because we believe this. This filling baptism of the Holy Spirit is for every single believer from the moment you're born again, no matter how long you've been saved, it is every believer whatsoever needs to experience this gift of God. Peter, very helpful, very provoking. Well, can we keep this against the backdrop of the life we were meant to live? I mean, there's a real tame version of Christianity available to you. It doesn't involve much risk. It doesn't involve behavior and activities that are stretching and uncomfortable. It, it doesn't involve unexplained dynamics. Uh, it, it's just predictable and comfortable. Can I just tell you, that is not the life we were meant to live. I can't find that Christianity on the pages of the Bible. I can find it in my experience. I can. And I can find it in modern experience for Christians. But let's not write Acts Volume 2 and downgrade everything that was in Acts Volume 1. Let's not make a sequel that everybody goes, Oh, the original movie was much better. This version here, it's just really kind of plain and tame. There's power in the Christian life. It'll flood into your life in amazing ways. But everybody know this. You can live Christianity without it. And be saved. And go to heaven. But you're going to get to a point in your life where these things are going to come off the page at you like it has for many folks. And you're going to look back over those years and you're going to utter those words, I wasted it. I wasted the time and the opportunity that I had. Well, what do, you, what do we do with this today? How do you minister and receive what is here? Well, I, if you're in a position that Peter shared, you recognize that's biblical. I just recognize there's a gulf distance between me and that, but I recognize that's for me. Well, then it's a real easy step to do the next thing. You don't recognize that. Let's suppose one message preached to you could not overcome your lethargy. You know, you're just ready for the service to be over. We're about done. Um, or your personal biases. You've heard this message, but you've heard a hundred that go in a different direction. And you're just not convinced. Well, then you probably haven't recognized the agenda of God in Scripture. Uh, I can't solve those two categories' needs right now. I can't do it. But if you recognize, this is the Bible. I just want what the Bible has for me. And you just be real simple. I'm a real simple person. Well, then how do we minister and receive this? Well, let me give you two categories here, and then we're just going to pray and let the Lord minister to folks. One, if you look in the Bible, look in the Bible. Don't look at a church down the street. Don't look at your own experience. Look in the Bible. 
this was ministered unexpectedly and without any parameters. The guys in the upper room, they didn't know what was going to happen. They just told to wait. When the wind started blowing and tongues sat on people's heads and they began to speak, you know, they didn't all turn around and go, yeah, that's exactly how I knew it would happen. Yeah, this is it. This is what happened. Now, they eventually got it. Eventually, Peter recognized this is what Joel prophesied. This is that. This is the age of the Spirit being poured out in the last days. Ah, yeah, this is that. They were surprised. What if the Spirit had come days earlier? They were in there for days praying. All of a sudden, noise happens unexpectedly. They're praying in the upper room or praying in a prayer meeting in chapter 4. They just pray. They don't realize what's about to happen when the place shakes and boldness comes into their hearts. That wasn't scripted. It just came. Acts chapter 10, while the preaching is taking place, the Holy Spirit falls on people. There's no altar call. There's no setup. There's no, are you ready now to receive? It, he just comes. And that may have happened to some of you already. You may have experienced something in your heart while Peter was speaking. The Holy Spirit has come and He's already done something. It could happen to you tonight. It could happen tomorrow. The unexpected entry of the Spirit, unscripted and without known parameter for what He will do. But that's not the only way that the ministry of the Spirit took place in the, in the book of Acts. That we have an example to follow. And we should follow their example, not ours. In several places, there was intentionality. And there was means. In Acts chapter 8, the apostles came. After the gospel had been preached, and people got saved. They were saved. And the apostles came, and they laid their hands on them and prayed for them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that was intentional. They actually traveled in order to be in the place where they could minister that to others. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Some nobody named Ananias who's scared to death to go talk to the Apostle Paul. This guy kills Christians. Why am I? God, he gets a vision from God. Power of God comes to his life, gives him a vision and says, go to this man named Paul. And when you get there, lay your hands on him that he may be filled with the Holy Spirit. What? Wait, this is the Apostle Paul. They're going to remember him for ages. I'm certainly not. I'm a nobody. Who am I? I'm going to lay my hands on him. That's exactly what you do. Lay your hands on him so that he can receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's the guys in Ephesus that we read about earlier. When Paul prays for them, he lays his hands on them, and he prays for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So listen, I'm saying all this because I know some people have to dig their way out of a hole in this category to be open. And you'd feel it's weird. Like, well, okay, people are going to come forward now. You're going to lay your hands on them. Oh, it was one of those churches. It's one of those Bible churches. This is a Bible church. I don't have another way to invent. What do you want me to tell you? Do something different? I'm, I'm, I'm not smart enough to invent another way. You want to be filled with the Spirit? If God didn't show up unexpectedly and do it in you while you were sitting in the chair there like He did it in Acts chapter 10, well, then come forward and we'll lay our hands on you. I don't know what else to do. There is one other thing I tell you to do. We're not going to do that now. You're going to have to do that on your own. Is to wait on God. Because I find that in Scripture too. I don't know if these guys 
Jesus goes up into heaven. He says, wait in Jerusalem. He says, wait. And they have to wait quite a while. And in their waiting, their attention is continually toward God, continually toward God, continually toward God. And they are, they are being prepared in their attention being given to God to receive. I'm not sure what would have happened if Jesus had gone up to heaven and the Spirit had come right away. Their backs probably would have been turned and they'd have probably missed it and walked on. Waiting prepared them. So there may be some here today who God may fall on you unexpectedly. There's some who will receive by hands being laid on you. There are some who will receive by waiting and making the pursuit of God in this category an object of sincere desire. But everybody is to be filled with the Spirit. Through one of those means, I can't find any other means in the Bible. So somehow, this is for everyone. So let's stand up together. Thank you for the work that you've already prepared in our hearts. Thank you for a season of stirring our hearts, of wanting more. Lord, of young and old here being gathered together, some that have been newly saved, some who have been saved for many years. Lord, thank you for your spirit coming and informing and awakening and preparing our hearts for such a moment as this. Lord, many are in a place where they are eager to respond to you. Lord, some are needing for your care and your ministry to help them, to help them to overcome distractions, to help them to overcome biases. Uh, Lord, at the end of the day, I want to look back over my life and I want to say my life looked like the only pattern that was authoritatively given. Not my cousin, not the pastor, but the Bible. I want my life to look like the Bible. I want my experiences to look like the Bible. I want my pursuits to be those you revealed in the Bible. You wrote these things down for us. I don't want another Christianity. I don't want an American version. I don't want a denominational version. I don't want one that's easy to explain. I don't want one that fits inside my small little head. I want biblical Christianity, God. I don't want less. I will live my life pursuing everything in this book to my last dying breath. So, Lord, what I pray now is you would awaken hearts full of faith to say, I want to be filled of the Spirit. For all that you've called me to lead is a supernatural life. One with supernatural insights and supernatural impulses and abilities to minister supernaturally and to affect lives supernaturally in our own households, in our neighborhoods, in this community, amongst the lost. Laying hands on one another and power being present in our midst. Praying for one another and seeing the effect of those prayers answered. Supernaturally empowered to stand and knock and persist and wait and never take no for an answer before your throne. God, this is spirit-given power 
that we're after. We must be filled. I want to ask you, if, if you want to have folks lay their hands on you to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to come out from where you are. Young people, new in Christ, been saved for many years, but you know that your life is needing a fresh infilling. There's, there's empowerment that's not taking place right now. Or you're just hearing some of this for the first time and your heart is just, it's freshly being written on. You're saying, I wasn't aware. I didn't realize there were dimensions of the Spirit of God. I want you to come in faith. I want you to come believing because the Bible calls you to do that. Let not anybody come being double-minded. Double-minded man doesn't really believe, uh, but I'm coming. No, come with faith. God wants to give you this. This is the prayer God called on us to ask Him. Certainly, He answers those who ask Him. So let's come believing. Open your heart. Believe God. Now, I want to I appeal to those who are in our midst who can come and pray for these folks. I want to appeal to the Ananiases that are here this morning. Who's Ananias? Ain't nobody special. Ananias, go lay your hands on that man named Paul and pray for him that he be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you might even be arguing with God. Ananias did. But yet when he laid his hands on the Apostle Paul, God met him in that moment. Some of you need to come up here. You need to find somebody. Be led to them. And come believe in God uses means to do what he's going to do. God uses Ananias. God is pleased to have somebody lay their hands on this guy. You don't need a degree. You don't need to have a title. You just need to be a Christian with the Spirit of God in you and a willingness to pray and to call on God to do something in this person's life. There are many folks up here that you, you need to turn your attention to the Lord now. You need to ask Him. You may need to repent. You may need to listen carefully to the Holy Spirit's instruction that's coming into your heart right now. It may be that the Holy Spirit's telling you the first move of the Spirit. Listen, this is the Holy Spirit too. The Spirit comes to the world to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Listen, I guarantee you that that if you've been living wayward and you've been living in sin, right now the agenda on God's plate isn't necessarily giving you a prophetic word. It may be God calling you to be broken in the Spirit of of God to bring repentance into your heart and genuine godly sorrow that God moves upon your stony heart in a supernatural way and gives you the grace of repentance. Don't you think for a minute your heart to repent is your own natural doing. That's a move of God in your life. If you're sensing that you've been away from God in your heart, then that's where you need to start. If you've been casual about your pursuit of God, tell God that. God, God, I've not wanted this. I've not made it important. I've not made it my pursuits, Lord. I've not waited on you. God, reorder my life, reorder my appetites, reorder my goals and my zeal. That this is vital. Every aspect of my life needs the power of your Spirit. Whether I'm called to be a mom or a dad on a daily basis or an employee at work 
or encounter a lost person. Oh God, I want to be like you were when you sat next to that Samaritan woman and you disclosed the secrets of her life and she knew she had met the Messiah. God, make our life that way. That we're talking to a neighbor and thoughts come to us that we could not have on our own, but they're the very thoughts that unlock the heart of someone that they would be open to hear now about your gospel. Lord, we don't want to lead natural lives. We don't want to just read parenting books, cross our fingers and do our best. God, we want the power of your Spirit in our households. We want you to dwell with us in ways that make wisdom come to life in a supernatural way. God, we don't want to just hear a message on prayer and then sum up all of our power to try and answer the call to be prayer warriors. God, we want the anointing of Your Spirit on our lives. We want to pray Spirit-given prayers full of words from You. God, we want to get on the page with You. God, we want Your Spirit to move our hearts away from our small thinking. God, sometimes we're so in touch with our own power that we pray little bitty prayers. And you want to do amazing things, God. The only way that can happen is for the Spirit to write afresh on our hearts. God, we want to pray that we'd like to see two or three people get saved in this coming Alpha. God, we pray for the power of your Spirit to show us what might you do when you come. God, on the pages of your Word, you save thousands at a time. God, we want to pray that way. Holy Spirit, that's got to come from You. Give us a sense of the power that we're plugged into as Your people. Oh God, move in this place. Move in this place. God, let people who are all over this auditorium right now sense God's up to something. God wants to invade the earth. God wants to bring His kingdom. God wants there to be power. God wants people to talk about healing and deliverance and freedom from sin. God doesn't want a bunch of people who are living nominal Christian lives and still talking about sin that's been in my life for 20 years. God, in the day when there's a little bit of power in our lives, bring the day that's normal. This is that which Joel prophesied of. The day, the last days when you would pour out your Spirit on all flesh, And men would have dreams and young men would see visions. Oh God, for our children and for our grandchildren. God, for all, for everyone whom you call to yourself. This is what you've called us to. God, we want to live the life we were meant to live. God, this morning, help us get there. Spirit of God, help us get there. No more distance. No more lack of hunger, God. Help us get there. God, give us a heart that will break out of the normal. God, we don't want normal anymore. God, I don't want the, the life that got defined for me from some church I attended for years. Some cousin who was a respected Christian. God, I want to look in the pages of your word. And I'm asking you today, God, give me that, Lord. Give me what your prophets prophesied about. Give me what your son prepared your disciples for. When He promised the Holy Spirit, the Comforter who would lead us in the truth. God, I pray this morning for the power of Your Spirit to renew minds that are here this morning. 
Holy Spirit, when you come, the Bible says you would lead us into all the truth. God, in this altar right now are people whose minds are confused. Confused by darkness and by sin and by lies of this world about themselves. God, come with power this morning. Undo that. Unlock the locks of people's minds. Give them biblical thinking. Holy Spirit, come with power to renew our minds so that we get in agreement with you and set us free by the power of your Spirit. God, not self-determination. Not me doing my best, but God, you invading this moment, opening our eyes. God, the way you said Paul had scales fall from his eyes. God, would you do that, Spirit of God, right now? Right now. Come with some who are seeking a breakthrough in their lives. God, come this morning. Let the scales fall from their eyes. There's, there's a, a woman here this morning who has been under the controlling influence of past thoughts. You've been dominated. I don't know if it was an event that happened in your life or it was the, 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 the family dynamic of your home, but your personality, your thought processes were shaped by that. I believe this morning God is meeting you right now and He's telling you for no other reason except I came to set the captives free. For no other reason, not because of some long counseling session, not because of a bunch of information, but because I'm coming into your life right now to set you free from those things in your past. No longer, no longer will those thoughts control who you're going to be. No longer will you awake in the morning under the umbrella of those thoughts, under the dark cloud of those things that have haunted you and those rehearsed comments and ideas that have held you captive. I believe God is just setting you free. He's just telling you there's a new day of liberty coming into your life because I've chosen to touch you by my Spirit and make you free this morning. the earth into motion 
Completely 